Good morning, everybody. How you doing? Good. Good is good. I like doing well. Well, um, thank you so much for joining with us today. Um, wow. Um, so many emotions. I'm, I'm starting to feel the feels. So I'm probably going to get a little bit emotional today. Um, and I'm not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. I guess, is that how that goes? Um, this has been, you guys are incredible. And I love you guys. Jess and I, we, we love you guys. Um, God has done some really cool things in us and I think through us and God is doing some cool things in you guys and, and through you guys and you know um, here's here's the deal Jesus is always faithful no matter what no matter what happens no matter what we like or what we don't like or what we wish was different or what we wish we could change or anything like that Jesus is always faithful. And I was talking with some people recently. Sometimes, you know, we want answers as to why we want, um, we want clear closure, I guess, on, on some things. And I want to just encourage you as we get into the message this morning, I want to encourage you, don't get hung up on closure. Because sometimes... Here's the deal. Sometimes we get an answer on, on stuff, sometimes we don't. So you, you get that aspect going, right? Where closure does happen that way sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. But sometimes even when we get an answer, it's not an answer that we like. <laughs> don't hang on to answers, to the whys, to the, um, or anything like that. Hang on to Jesus, okay? Hang on to Jesus, as has already been said this morning, God doesn't waste anything. He takes things that are out of our control, things that we don't like, things that maybe even we mess up, all right? And he's so big and he's so good that he takes it into himself and he actually makes it part of his story. So, this, this kind of goes into to what we're talking about this morning. But because that is true, the only real kind of fail, failure that we can ever have is simply failure to be faithful. It doesn't matter what the outcomes are on a lot of things. Outcomes will come. Outcomes are important. But it doesn't matter ultimately if we accomplish something or we fail at accomplishing a goal. The only thing that matters is that we are faithful to Jesus because it's all his anyway. Okay? It's all his anyway. So as we wrap up our time together, I want to look at one more lesson we can learn from storms that we encounter, okay? One more lesson that we can learn from storms we encounter. If you would like to take notes, you can go to, on your smartphone, you can go to ccpuallup.com, and then on, on there you can click on the Outdoor Church link, and it will take you directly to the Uversion event, where at the bottom you can, take, you can fill in notes if you would like to. So if you're following along, you can do that. ccpuallup, go down to Outdoor Church, click on that, it'll open it up for you. Here we go. We're going to look at one of my favorite stories in the Gospels. 
This is uh, Jesus. He comes walking on the water out to the disciples, okay? So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. I'm reading out of the NIV, so open up your Bibles, your Bible app. You can follow along there. Here it is, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. All right, here's the first key that this is a pretty wild, crazy story here. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. They were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Here's the forecast for this morning. We're, I don't know about you guys. I'm watching the forecast because I want to know when the smoke's clearing out. <laughs> I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the itchy throat. I'm tired of not being able to breathe well. I, I want clean air. So here's our forecast for this morning for us. Faith almost always involves risk. I want to take out the almost. Faith always involves risk. And risk always takes us out of our comfort zone. Always. What does always mean? Always, there's never a moment in time where it doesn't take us out of our comfort zone. But being on the water with Jesus is where we tend to grow the best and the most. The best place in the world is right next to Jesus. C.S. Lewis in his, his, his famous uh, uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Anybody here read the Chronicles of Narnia? I love them. They're great. But Jesus, or excuse me, C.S. Lewis, in, he, he equates Aslan the lion to Jesus. He, it's it's uh, an allegory of sorts, okay? So Aslan the lion represents Jesus, and in, in, in one of, in, in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, one of the four children who have gone into the wardrobe ask the beavers that they're, they're staying with, I'm talking animals, just, you know, it, it's okay, we can use our imaginations, Asks the beavers, is he safe? And Mr. Beaver replies, safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. You guys, walking with Jesus is not safe. It's never safe. You can eject safety out of your thinking when you start talking about walking with Jesus. 
it is always, always, always going to take us into places that are unknown, places that for us are uncomfortable. I'm not talking about, you know, climbing the side of a cliff or, you know, anything like that. But at the very least, it is going to take us beyond our comfort zone into areas and realms that, that where we are we're forced to face our fears. But that is the best place in the world to be because it's right with Jesus. I said in the first week of the series, there is no uh, place better to grow than in the storms of life. And we tend to forget this, especially when, when we're in the middle of a storm. When we're encountering something that is hard, that is difficult, that is scary, that is beyond our control. And let's face it, we all like to be in control. There's not a single person in this room who doesn't like control. Okay? We all deal with it in different ways, but we all like it. We all want it. And honestly, most of us would rather grow in some other way, wouldn't we? We'd rather grow in a lazy boy chair. <laughs> oh, I'll grow that way, this way. <laughs> We'd rather grow in bed, right? Oh, nice, warm safety of the, cov the covers and the blankets on a cold night. We'd rather grow next to a nice warm fire with a cup of coffee in our hands in the while we're in the middle of something scary. But that's not where Jesus is. That's not where Jesus is. Throughout the word of God and throughout our lives, we see this principle at work. Faith equals risk. And that's how we grow and advance the kingdom of God. Think about it. Abraham was called from his home to go to an unknown place of risk. There's a picture. Somebody I saw, I, I read this. One author uh, mentioned that they had this. I don't remember who it was. But they said they've got this picture from Abraham's hometown looking out across the desert and there's nothing. <laughs> it's this panoramic, panoramic view, Okay. And you got to remember when God called Abraham, he said, come to the place that I will show you. Follow me to the place where I will show you. He didn't tell him where he was going. <laughs> he said, come to the place where I will show you. Moses was called back to Egypt to a place of risk and potential danger. He had been expelled because he murdered somebody who was running for his life. And yet God called him back into Egypt a place of danger. Esther was called to go to the king for her people at the risk of her very life. Anybody who had the boldness to go before the king without being called by the king was subject to death and she did it anyway. Mary, a probably a 13-year-old girl, was called to be the mother of the Messiah at the risk of public disgrace and according to the law, subject to being stoned to death because she's pregnant out of marriage. And yet she embraced that. Peter was called by Jesus to walk on the water at the risk of looking like a fool. What if this doesn't work? <laughs> Ever been there? What if this doesn't work? Let me say it again. Faith always involves risk and risk always takes us out of our comfort zone, you guys. 
But being on the water with Jesus is where we grow the best and the most. In Matthew 14, just prior to the story we've, we've read this morning, Jesus miraculously feeds over 5,000 people. They want to make him king. According to John chapter 6, at this point, the people are like, hey, let's, let's make this dude king. So to avoid confrontation with Rome, because they were, that, that was just politically loaded, okay? Jesus dismisses the crowd and sends them across the lake. He, he sends the disciples across the lake. The, and the boat that the disciples were in was a considerable distance from land. In Mark's account, they are about three miles or so out into the lake, about halfway. When a severe windstorm hits, it's dark, the fourth watch of the night. This is sometime between 3 and 6 a.m., okay? 3 and 6 a.m. Anybody been out in a storm where you can't see land between 3 and 6 a.m.? I haven't, and frankly, it terrifies me to think of myself being... <laughs> In that situation, it, it, I'm just being honest. It does. That's, that sounds horrific to me. So the disciples are probably fairly tired and grumpy at this point, to say the least. What should have been a short, easy journey turns into hours of struggle. It says that the, that the wind was buffeting the boat, it's, meaning it's, it's directly against them. They're doing what Jesus had told them to do, and the wind and the waves are against them, okay? And to top it off, somebody yells, ghost! As they see somebody walking across the water, I, I, I would have been screaming like a 12-year-old girl probably. Okay? I'm being honest. Then they hear a familiar voice cry out over the wind and the waves. Have you ever been in a situation where things are looking horrible and, and, and just out of your control and, and you're, you're going through your trial and, and all of the pain and suffering and everything else and all of a sudden you just hear the voice. You know what I'm talking about? Jesus meets you right there. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Here are a couple of lessons we can learn from this particular storm experience that the disciples faced. Number one, if you're taking notes, obeying Jesus is no guarantee of a storm-free life. It's not. Jesus actually said the exact opposite. He said, in this world, you will have trial. You will have tribulation. But what? Fear not. That's right. Fear not. I have overcome the world. Where did we get the idea that obedience to God means being spared adversity? Where did we get that idea? It's not from Jesus. Our culture values comfort and ease. <laughs> but that's our culture. That's not Jesus. Remember who sent them out on the lake. It was Jesus who put them in that boat. They were there. They were in the predicament because of Jesus. 
Did you ever think of that? This kind of was Jesus' fault (laughs) that they're in this place. I don't know if Jesus knew that the storm would come for sure. I suspect that maybe he did. But I bet that the disciples began blaming him. You ever been in that place? God, I, I did what you asked me to do. What's going on? You guys, God knew Abraham and Moses and Esther and Mary would face all kinds of troubles and difficulties. And he still called them. Jesus knew that his disciples would not have an easy life, and yet he still called them. And guess what? He still calls us. Matthew 8, 19 and 20 says, Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. John 16, 33, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. 2 Timothy 2 and also 4 says, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Following Jesus is about endurance. It's about perseverance. It's not about Success, at least not as the world defines success. I've got a friend who lost his wife in an ATV accident not too long after the COVID shutdown. He wasn't able to have a funeral for her until July. I don't know why this happened in his life. I I can't give you the why. And you know, you guys, people like to theologize about all kinds of things. Well, if this thing was right in his life or that thing was right, then these kinds of things wouldn't happen. That's, That's a load of horse manure. Okay? I don't know why it happened. But you know what I have seen in him, despite his suffering and his pain, I've watched him continue to walk with and put his hope in Jesus. He doesn't get it. He's in pain. He doesn't understand. He does understand that God never promised us an easy way of life, just the best way. The way where we have, abs- we have the absolute guarantee of his presence, an absolute promise that even in our weakness, his power is perfected and made real. Why? Because no matter what, he's good. Because no matter what happens to us, he's able to raise the dead. 
Sometimes we cause the storms through our defiance of God and our own stubbornness and pride. And when that's the case, you guys, we need to humble ourselves. But sometimes storms come through no fault of our own. In fact, they may even come because we were obedient. Because we did exactly what God asked us to do. Obeying and following Jesus is no guarantee of a storm-free existence. We will ultimately overcome because he has overcome and we are in him. But it doesn't mean that the journey will be an easy one. Okay? So that's the first thing. The first lesson here. Following Jesus is not a guarantee of a life of ease. Number two, faith is demonstrated by action. Faith is demonstrated by action. In fact, the Bible says that without action, faith is dead. It's actually a faith that has no action to it is a stillborn faith. James says this in James 2.17, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. He's not saying that we earn our salvation by action or by works. There's, there's, the Bible is 100% clear on this. Jesus gifts us his life. We do not earn it, okay? But James is saying that true and living faith will be demonstrated by what we do. It results in action. Peter had a faith crisis once he got out of the boat. But it was faith in Jesus that got him on the water in the first place. Faith in Jesus got him out of the boat in the first place. Peter had faith in Jesus. He already knew the miracle working power of Jesus. He had already seen him calm a storm before back in Matthew chapter 8. And just that day of this story, he saw Jesus take the equivalent of a sack lunch and feed over 5,000 people. He knew that if Jesus was involved, nothing was impossible. And that drove him to ask the question, if it's you, will you call me out on the water with you? Why? Because where you are, I want to be. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Here's something John Ortberg wrote about this. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. I believe there is something, someone inside us who tells us there is more to life than sitting in the boat. You were made for something more than merely avoiding failure. You were made and destined for something more than merely avoiding failure. There is something inside of you that wants to walk on water, to leave the comfort of routine existence and abandon yourself to the high adventure of following God. You can say 
what you want to about Peter's tendency to stick his foot in his mouth. Oh, he did that on numerous occasions. So have I. You can say what you want about his proclivity to, uh, to getting into trouble. Oh, Lord, that will never happen to you, to which Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> but you guys, Peter knew that he was made for something more than existing as a boat potato. If that act of getting out of the boat isn't faith, I don't know what is. But what happened to Peter's faith, that initial faith? Verse 30, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Notice here in verse 31 that Jesus chastises him for having little faith. He didn't say that he had no faith. Okay? What started out as big water-walking faith ended in distress. Why? Because Peter took his eyes off of Jesus. Doubt crept in and he began to sink. That word doubt in the original language is distazo. It comes from di, which means double, and stasis, which means stands. Literally, it, it translated double stands, or the picture of someone who's indecisively straddling two paths of uncertainty. Like the time I was driving down a road, and, and there was this gray squirrel. He, he felt me or saw me coming or something like that, and he started dancing in the middle of the road. He couldn't decide which way to go, and I wasn't about to flip the car for a little squirrel. It didn't end well for the squirrel. Being double-minded. Peter's problem was not the storm. Listen to me. Peter's problem was not the storm. The storm was there the entire time. It was there before Jesus came out on the water. It was there before Jesus said... Take courage, it is I. It, is, it, it was there before Peter said, if it's you, call me out of the boat. It was there before Jesus said, come on then, come on out of the boat. It was there. It was a reality. It was all around Peter. The storm wasn't the problem. The problem was Peter's focus. He took his eyes off of Jesus. That's why I said earlier, you guys, don't look for closure, not in terms of answers to questions, because those things are going to fail you. They're either not going to come or you're, it won't be enough. You're not going to like it. Focus on Jesus. Cling to Jesus. 2 Timothy 2.13 says this, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Even in those moments of failure though where we take our eyes off of Jesus, he's still going to be faithful. Why? Because he doesn't waste anything. He makes it part of himself. P 
Peter failed. Yes, he did. But you know what? I think there were 11 other guys who had a bigger failure that night. Here's another quote from John Ortberg. The worst failure is not to sink in the waves. It's not to mess up in the endeavor, okay? The worst failure is to never get out of the boat. The call to get out of the boat involves crisis, opportunity, often failure, generally fear, sometimes suffering, always the calling, uh, always the calling to a task too big for us. But there is no other way to grow faith and to partner with God. Jesus is still looking for people who will get out of the boat. Sometimes we stumble and fall. That's okay. That's not the failure. The failure is to not follow. The failure is to not hear the words, come to me out on the water, and then obey them and to go out. You guys, our society defines success by accomplishing things. You gain power, you gain uh, influence, you gain money, you gain whatever else. That's the definition, definition of success in our culture, but that's not God's definition of success. God's definition of success is that you are faithful. You are faithful, and that means putting your faith into action. It means being obedient to the call of God on your life. And if you are not obedient to the call of God on your life, then that is the ultimate failure. That's true failure. The choice to come to Jesus on the water is a choice to risk. It's a choice to have faith and ultimately to grow. Faith always involves risk and risk always takes us out of our comfort zone. So let me ask you guys this. What is your boat? What's your boat? Your fear will tell you. Whatever it is you're afraid of will tell you what your boat is. Where does faith need to be demonstrated by action for you? You see, your boat is whatever represents safety and security to you apart from God himself. It's that thing. It's that safety net that allows you to not fully or to allow, it allows you to not have to fully trust in God. It's whatever you're tempted to put your trust in when life gets stormy. Your boat is whatever keeps you so comfortable that you don't want to give it up, even if it's keeping you from joining Jesus on the waves. I can't answer the question for you of what your boat is. You're going to have to answer that yourself. But I'm begging you, whatever is pulling you away from the high adventure of extreme discipleship, 
burn it. Cortez, when he landed in the New World, he did a lot of awful things. I would not hold him up as an example. But when he landed in the New World, all of the ships that came with him, he burned them so that they had no option of returning the way that they had come. You guys, what's your safety net? Burn it. Burn it to the ground. Follow Jesus. Be faithful to him. Trust him to be with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, God, that you are faithful beyond measure, that you are with us no matter what, that you you are for us, that you are with us. That you, that our lives stand or fall because of you and not because of our accomplishments, not because of our abilities, not because of the things that we do or don't make happen. It's because of you. God, I thank you that you are so good that you take everything about us into yourself. And you, you make it to tell your story. Do that for all of us, I pray, God. Give us, Father, your grace to trust you. For those who are battling fear of any kind, God, I, I, I pray for your peace. I pray for your calm. I pray for your love to fill their hearts and their minds. Thank you. I'm going to do something right now for anybody. I want to pray for anybody specifically right now who um, who is wrestling with trusting. It could be anything, anything in your life. Keep your eyes closed and your head bowed. You don't need to be looking around. But if you're dealing with an issue of fear, if you're dealing with something that is keeping you from walking with Jesus out on the water, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Okay, see your hands. Father, you have seen these hands that are raised. These hearts that are longing to be where you are at. God, first I ask that they would experience your gentleness. God, that you are not harsh, that you are not demanding, that you are not expecting them to have it all together right here, right now. And that this very act of even acknowledging 
their need is, is stepping out. It's heading in the right direction. I pray for your mercy for them right now, Father. Comfort their hearts first. Second, God, give them the courage that they need. Gift that to them as they look to you, as they walk with you, toward you. And God, I pray that they would see your goodness. That they would experience your mercy. That they would see you working in them and through them for your kingdom and for your glory, God. God, let all of us see that. Let Celebration Center see that. Let the people here see that. Let the people around this place see that, God. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.